0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Dream Big Podcast sponsored by the Leap to College Foundation. I'm your host, Owen Mitchell, and co-hosting with me today is Elena Rowe. If you tuned into the last podcast, you might've heard a little bit about me already, but if not, I'm currently an 11th grade student at Bowie High School in Prince George's County, Maryland. I've been a part of the Leap Foundation for about three years now, and I'm looking forward for many years to come as a part of this amazing organization. If you haven't heard already, go show some love and check out our last podcast where we've talked about what exactly is the Leap to College Foundation but today our topic is about the importance of teaching a wider range of black history in, the, in school and beyond the month of February. But what would a podcast be without some special guests? So I would like to hand it over to Elena and our wonderful panelists so that they can introduce themselves.
1: Hi everyone, my name is Elena Rowe. Um, I am a Hood College uh, senior I'm studying sociology with a minor in uh, public relations. And I'm here as a co-host uh, with Owen and um, we have some special guests for you guys today discussing the importance of black history. So I hope you all enjoy and get something out of this.
2: Hello everyone, everyone. my name is Christopher Wallace. I'm a mentor with the Lead to College Foundation. I'm excited to be here and uh, contribute and learn from the uh, panelists today.
3: Hello, my name is Charles McDuffie. I am a eighth grade social studies teacher at Eastern Guilford Middle School in Gibsonville, North Carolina, Uh, proud graduate of Howard University, uh, HU, uh, and happy to be here. Really excited to be here. Um, So I can't wait to see what you guys uh, do with this. I'm excited. Hey, everybody. My name is Jalen Thomas. I'm currently a 12th grade
4: student at Bowie High School and hopeful accounting major.
5: Hi, my name is Rick Evans. I'm a Twin student at both PG Community College and Howard University, really. Chu, you know, yeah, I'm happy to be here.
0: <laughs> Thank you guys so much for coming. And i would I would just like to start it off with the first question. So, what do you guys feel like is the importance of teaching Black history in the classroom, especially in a time like this where the tension seems high, with you know the whole Black Lives Matter and everything? And the floor is open. Anybody can go ahead. You guys,
3: yeah, I yield to Enrique at the young minds in there. <laughs>
5: uh, I think it's something is major important to remember that Black history is another way of saying a part of major world history. We wouldn't be where we are without Black history, the acknowledgements and accolades of those who paved the way for civil rights, for industrial evolution, for you know everything that we see around us. Black history is not something that we just learn in this one month or this one class that is not really needed for your whole betterment of enrichment of yourself in mind. It's something that we all have to remember, like this is something that we look at every single day. When we go out, there's black history all around us. It's not something that we acknowledge just one time and never really talk about again. It's, it's very much needed.
3: Yeah, that's facts. That's facts. Um, me personally, Um, you can't talk about American history without talking about Blacks. You cannot. Uh, You absolutely have to really, really be insensitive to wipe out every contribution that Blacks have made. Um, From the time we came over here um, in the 1500s with some of the explorers, maybe one or two of us, to the times have now, Blacks have contributed to this entire uh, nation's uh, creation. Um, in so many ways. Uh, You can go through the inventions, you can go through the music, you can go through our culture, our culture is beautiful. Um, You can't talk about American history without us. You have to include Blacks in your history and people of color who've all made contributions to this country, Uh, whether it be at the government, whether it be at the government level, um, um, whether it be in entertainment, whether it be social justice, um, we are all over the place. And um, you really cannot teach our kids without teaching them about black history as well.
4: Yeah, I really, uh, really wanna stress that black history is all around us as soon as you go outside and you go to a traffic light that was invented by a black man. Uh, the white house was built by African-Americans. Like it's, it's very easy to miss sometimes is that it is all around us and it's still happening today. Ms. Kamala Harris is the first black, uh, black, first black uh, vice president and first female. So black history is still being made today in 2021. It hasn't gone anywhere. so I think I think it's important for everybody to recognize the culture and recognize the athletes that we have accomplished since we came here in 1619.
1: you guys have all just said really good really good things there so don't have anything else to say. Um, except that, you know, the same thing, that Black history is all around us. It's important to teach that at a young age to students and have a broad variety. You know, Black history is not just about, you know, slavery, the Civil Rights Movement. There's the Harlem Renaissance. There's, uh, like Mr. Chuck was saying, um, entertainment. There's a lot of people that maybe you don't know about, and it's not taught in schools enough, and that's really important.
0: Yeah, I mean, something i like to say is that Black history is American history. You can't teach American history without incorporating Black history. I mean, there's so much to us. There's so much more to us than slavery, civil rights movement, Martin Luther King. Like, there's so much more. And I just feel like you can't jam that all into one month and expect kids to walk away and feel like they've learned enough about what we have to offer and what we've done for this country. And so I would like to relate, um, take that into the next question is like, do you guys feel like Black History needs to be a? Um, it doesn't. It, it shouldn't be an optional class, like because I mean, you know, now you could take Black History as an elective, and I mean that goes for other um, races as well, like the like Latinx um, Latinx community, the Asian American community. I mean, so do you feel like um, a cultural history class should be a um, should be enforced and should be a part of the school
3: mandatory education? Um. Absolutely. As a as a teacher, I would love to see that done. Um, wouldn't it be beautiful to have, because most schools have four quarters, uh, wouldn't it be beautiful to have a, um, um, a a class that focused on the culture of our country and for each quarter um, focus on a particular ethnic group? And the reason why I say that would be good is because then other kids who don't know about the contributions that their answer, their own ancestors have made will, will just be shocked. Uh, I remember doing um, Hispanic American Month at my school, and I was pulling out artists for my students. And I was like, y'all know this person? No. And I'm like, whoa. But then I found out that a lot of parents told their kids to not dumb down, but just kind of not focus on their background because again, they're afraid to say that they're Mexican because they might, or well, you're in this country illegally. Um, they're afraid to say those kinds of things. And it's a shame that our kids are handcuffed from their own history simply because of a feel like that. Um, but I do think that we should do a month of, of his, Hispanic American month, Asian American month, Pacific Islanders month, Native American month um, or semester and, and black history as well. So I think we need to give our kids more than what we've been given them.
2: To add to that, I think there is a reluctance from some communities to step into the field of learning about other cultures due to the fact that uh, some of our counterparts have been on the wrong end of what has happened to these specific communities. And where that reluctance comes in is unfortunately not being able to sort of turn the mirror on the country, to turn the mirror on some of your more idealistic figures or uh, historical figures, for, for example. Um, so I would hope that in whatever uh, uh, curriculum, I had to find a the word there, and whatever curriculum that is taught to the kids, uh, to the students, um, not only focuses on the, not only focuses on the triumphs, the successes, uh, and the victories of uh, Black history and um, any subjugated community within this nation, but also teaching how to build paths toward reconciliation, um, how to deal with uh, some of the the quote-unquote guilt that they may feel, and thinking uh, progressively about, we can't do anything with your guilt. So your guilt is not necessarily what we want or even need. But what we do need is to understand how the past and how the history of how our communities have risen above and have dealt with the things that they have dealt with, and what ways they have transformed and what ways they manifest themselves into our culture today, and figuring out what is your place in combating them. Uh, My uh, colloquialism is that, you know, not everybody is going to be Spider-Man. Sometimes we need Peter Parker. And it's okay for you to just take pictures. It's okay for you to just operate in the small uh, or area of uh, a sphere of influence that you have, because that can make a lot more impact um, than you trying to go outside of that and do something that you're not really well equipped to do or that you don't even need to do. So I I agree that uh, these histories definitely should be taught um, and it should also be taught with a way of understanding the ways that these things have manifested in our societies today and um, learning how we can get to reconciliation and learning how to create the actual society that uh, we've been normalized to think exists, but it really doesn't.
4: Yeah, like 100% I'm on that, uh, the history that not only black people, but Asians, uh, Hispanics, uh, Native Americans, named your, name your uh, minority, regardless, we have all contributed so much to the America that we know today. However, I think it's also important to stress that sometimes education in different states—they're not—they're not, they're not going to, you know, hit that point. You know, like a Minnesota education is much, much different than an Atlanta education, or you know, uh, Florida for that matter. So I, I think that it should definitely be stressed that um, Black history, Latin American history, Asian American history should be taught across the board. Every state, every county, and even even in those low key uh, country counties, you know, it, it should definitely be taught there uh, because they, they, they only know one thing. They only know the people around them. You know, they don't have as much diversity as we have here in the DMV. So I, I think it's important to stress that.
5: To, to add on to that point, it's interesting because I'm thinking about it. Where I grew up, always had teachers who were incorporate corporate, like, this is not in the curriculum, but you need to, you should know this. So I remember my world history teacher was like, we can learn anything in this class. It's it's very fluid. Anything you say can be incorporated to world history. And my United States history teacher, it's always she was always said, this isn't something important, but it's good to know that this happened to this particular group of people. It's a semblance. And then when I, I think, when I really thought about it, it was all the way back in middle school, when... And my, my, my U.S. class for the second time, that was my first time taking it, we talked about, we had like a strong focus on like the East Coast because you know, this is where uh, the, <laughs> the pilgrims came to and like colonized when that first happened. We learned so much about what Maryland turned into, what Virginia became, how the whole Eastern seaboard became. And then we kind of just glaze over the West Coast after like the Louisiana Purchase. And we learned almost nothing about that. And I think that's an important thing where if we we really want to have Black history, Asian history, uh, Latinx history, Pacific Islander history to really be taught in our school system, it's important that throughout the board in every single state, county and city that we are learning the exact same thing to where like we're hitting this point, we're hitting this point, this happened to these people and not so much. The importance of the area is great and all, but if everyone has this differing idea of like, oh, history was also calm and poor and everyone got along so well, or Mm -hmm. other people understand the fatality of some of the things that happened across the world, whereas this group helped build this society that we are in, but now they're being punished for it in terms, or this group came here and was heavily supported by another and. Now in this whole confusion of a pandemic, people are being accused of one and back and forth one another. So it's very important that we all have the same understanding of what happened and how we got to where we are.
0: Mm-hmm. I really like those points you made. I like that you brought up your teacher Enrique and how your teacher, they brought up, even though it wasn't necessarily relevant to the exact lesson, she made it a point that you should know about, this also happened to this group of people and how that affected the bigger picture of the entire event. And I really liked what Jalen and Christopher said when they mentioned, when Jalen mentioned even like the areas that like the low key areas where it's like the country and it's not really, you're not really into, how should I say? You're kind of like on the outskirts of the bigger cities and everything. And when Christopher mentioned the reluctance of people to learn about black history and other cultures and it, it like um, reminded me of this article, the article talking about the um, Utah school that they said, we're not going to teach African-American history. We're just not going to do it. We're going to take it out the lesson. I think that's something that, why was that allowed in the first place? I mean, the fact that we can just say, no, we're not going to do this just because it doesn't apply to our kids. It doesn't apply to our culture, our culture and who we are. We're just not going to learn it. And so I just think that plays a role into the lack of education and the miseducation that people have about black people and our culture. And so I also wanted to ask that question is, do you think that the lack of education, the lack of people not wanting to learn about black history and people just overall saying, no, we don't want it. Do you think that plays a big role into the ignorance of people in America today?
3: Uh, I think it does. And the reason why I say that, um, just for instance, my wife and my son, we went to a, uh, a green book house. Uh, if you saw the movie, The Green Book, uh, we went yesterday and green books were books that Blacks had that who were entertainers, athletes, performers. Um, they could not stay in white hotels. So they had a list of Black hotels, they had a list of Black restaurants, they had a list of, of places Blacks could go to entertain themselves. Um, it's, it's called a Green Book, and it's based on the movie. Well, the movie's based on that, uh, that came out, I guess, about two, maybe two, three years ago. And we went there, and it was incredible, because my son is standing there looking in this very, this is a small house, and he's like, wow, James Brown stayed here. Man, uh, Gladys Knight stayed here. And it was history for him, because, yeah, he saw the movie, but to actually be standing in a house that some of those legends stood in, And for the simple reason, because they could not go to a white hotel with their peers is incredible. Uh, I could not imagine being on a baseball team and my white um, uh, players, my co-players, and they're, they're doing their thing, teammates, and they're doing their thing. And I gotta go stay somewhere else. Or they go to a hotel room and change. I gotta go to a broom closet and change. And there's two funky cots there. It just is incredible. To see the things that our people went through, but they went through with dignity. They went through with dignity. And I can't, I can't, um, I can't say enough about the ignorance of this country um, when they say that this is our land and, and even some of the songs I learned as a kid, this land is your land, this land is my land, and just to know that they weren't including my people in those songs. The documents, we the people, it wasn't us, it wasn't women. Uh, All of the documents that were signed, they did not have blacks in mind. So I'm not surprised that there's some sort of ignorance because we've been excluded for the longest time. Um, And even with sports, uh, for the longest time, HBCUs in the 70s and 60s, we have phenomenal athletes. And um, we were doing all all sorts of incredible things, but nobody really talked about it. Uh, And I go back to one game um because there were schools in the south that would not play against black players teams that have black players on it uh what happened was bear, bear bryant famous coach at alabama uh, he decided that he wanted to uh, test the theory of black athletes being just as good as or being better than some of his white players he invited usc um to uh tuscaloosa to play tuscaloosa to play and you as a nationally televised game, and USC went down there and wore them out. And yes, it was black players running all over the place. A couple of years later, guess who recruited their first black player? Alabama. So there is an ignorance of our people. And I think things are selectively put up there for us. Like you will show us with crime, committing crimes or handcuffs. You'll show our ladies uh, walking around on the street. You will you will emphasize um, all of the negative aspects, but forget the beautiful things that make us a beautiful culture and community and people. And that's where the ignorance lies with some of our other students, because they just don't know other than what they are shown. And you know, there's a definite filter to that.
2: I think on the flip side to that too, um, again, going back to that that reluctance, I think when you're talking about the ways in which uh, the United States has really subjugated black people and, and many other communities, it's tough to look at the nation itself, all the people who founded it, all the people who contributed to it from your perspective to look at them in a critical lens and not just an honorific lens or through a lens of praise or, or admiration. It's tough for people to do that. It's uh, even for speaking of myself, um, where if you talk about things such as feminism in the way that men can subjugate women. There's a lot of my own behavior, there's a lot of my own action that I have to put into a lens of criticism that may be difficult because we all believe that we're great people. We all believe that we're, we're capable of treating people with respect and dignity and honor. But yet, if there are ways in which that has not happened and even worse, that there are ways that your life has been benefited by the, um, the ill treatment of other people, it does this weird thing in your brain. I don't really know how to uh, to describe it from a psychological sense, but it really does a weird thing in your brain where it's not really going to compute. And it's very tough and uncomfortable and difficult to, uh, to get with it. So I think that's where that's also a place of where not just not wanting to look at uh, uh, our community, the Black community, in a positive lens, but to bring that criticism uh, on your own, I think it's really difficult. You know, these, we're talking about criticism, people that's, they're on the money. We're talking about, we got to talk about Washington crazy. We got to talk about Jefferson crazy. We got to talk about Lincoln crazy. We got to talk about Reagan crazy. We got to talk about all of these people that we have grown to admire and love and, and wish we could contribute to the society in the ways that they did. But we now we have to talk about them in a way that, hey, they dropped the ball on this. They didn't do as much as they could on this. They failed people on this. And it's tough for like, imagine talking about your mom or, or, or talking about uh, one of your favorite teachers from, from uh, from school or talking about one of your favorite coaches from if you played on a team for something, um, uh, an athlete from a team that you root for if they did something bad. like That's what's going on with people when we're talking about the discussion of Black history. And people have to realize the value in it's okay to criticize these people. It's okay. George Washington will still be on the dollar. Lincoln will still be on the five. But you have to also within that, um, discussion let people know that hey like they did these things okay but these other things really mess things up for people especially our people for years and years and years and years and years on end and quite frankly we're still paying the price uh, for a lot of their lack of leadership so once people can get past that that I, I guess it's cognitive dissonance or once people can get past that that uncomfortability, that they have to challenge some of the things that they think they know, then I think we can get some real progress.
4: Yeah, I really want to highlight one thing that Mr. McDuffie said, and that was regarding what social media puts out there um, and what some people just see versus what's actually going on behind the scenes. I recently saw Judas and the Black Messiah. I don't know if any of you all have seen it. But, I mean, it goes into depth that it wasn't just black versus white. It wasn't. It was it was oppressed people versus the oppressors. Mm -hmm. And yet the social, you know, and it wasn't social media yet, but the media still had cameras on the black people and said animals, animals, animals. They're committing these crimes. They're, you know, they're bad news. Government behind the scenes was trying to shut down the Black Panther Party. I'm not going to spoil the movie, of course, you know, but. it, it, it goes into depth that Fred Hampton was not a criminal the Black Panther Party uh, it, it had a good motive that I feel like a lot of a lot of the media will try to shun they don't talk about the Black Panther Party in school they never once you know they don't really mention Fred Hampton. US history or world history it, it's not going to be mentioned because there's a certain censor that they put over some African-American parties. And, and I feel like that sensor needs to be lifted, which of course is very hard to do. Uh, they've had that sensor over our mouths for well over 400 years. So it, it, it's, it's hard, but it, it is a sense of ignorance really to just say, hey, look, we'll talk about these parts, but we won't talk about those parts in a positive light when there's so much positivity going on within the black community. Um, that I feel like needs to have the spotlight on. I grew up in Chicago, so I've seen the bad and the good. And there's a lot of good that just so happens to be outshone, uh, outshone by the bad via the media. To,
5: to add on to that point, and to get back to the original question, I think what's, what's worse and what makes people bring this shadow of arrogance over their head is not that they're not learning anything at all about Black history. It's what it's like these, these nitpick pieces that everyone's given. Like everyone, most people are taught about Martin Luther King and then they may touch upon like Malcolm X and like King, he was, he was one of the good blacks. He, he was all about peace and protests and not wanting to to cause harm onto anybody. And Malcolm X was this violent man who just wanted power for his people and nothing else. And I think that brings for bit more air because he's been like, oh, the ones who are violent and everything, those are the bad ones. They have to be punished and, and segregated and keep kept far away and treated as this. And the, the few that you find in the good Blacks are the ones that everyone looks for. They're peaceful. They don't want violence. They want to do things through, through proper channels. And that hurts people more because then you don't understand where these two positions were coming from. You know, Malcolm, out of the two, in my opinion, was more so wanted to empower the people. You know, in his city of Harlem, everyone was not owning their own business. They didn't own this whole street. They couldn't go outside without being persecuted for just being them. Whereas um Martin Luther King who everyone points at and like, yes, he was this active civil rights leader but even he says that the riot is the language of the unheard and how everything calls upon this, like we can be peaceful for as long as you want. At some point, something has to change with us. And it's not their fault that they're being violent. No one is being listened to, you know? And I think that's what makes people more blind to the fact that there are issues, whereas these things were nitpicked. Like in certain classes in the West Coast, I found out that they are taught about the Black Panther Party, but it was like, this was a, a violent ring that taught people how to fight, how to handle guns, which it did, but it's su- it supported the community more so than that the police did at that time. A Black person would be walking in the street and be robbed, and a police officer would not care. They wouldn't do anything. And the Black Panther Party came around and taught them how to defend themselves. They could come to them to solve a problem. You need support. They had this whole structure around them. So it's that arrogance where they're being taught about Black history. They're just not being taught the whole picture. They're being taught the pieces that they want them to know. And it it harms not only them but us because in some facets of it we then become blind to how truly great we we have done or what we contributed like i found out that george washington carver the guy like everyone associated him with like making peanut butter right Mm. right he never made peanut butter he he was a smart man and he made a thousand plus uses for peanuts but when it came time for him to go up to the Supreme Court and allocate for those in the peanut industry. They said, well, just amp up the story a bit. He, he made all these different inventions. You know how to make peanut butter into lotions, into creams, into, into turning the shells into actual manufacturing parts. They thought if, if a black man were to go in front of this all white Supreme Court and start talking almost down upon them, that they would not feel respected and wouldn't listen to a word. So when they list all these great contributions that they in fact may have used, it adds a sense of, oh, he's one of the good ones again. When this is something, this is a narrative that someone else put on someone. It helped them in the end, yes, but now it brings this confusion of like, what we truly did and how much greater we were. Because I just thought he made peanut butter. I didn't think he made all these different inventions and contribute to an entire reason why I can make a sandwich
4: in the middle of the night.
0: Mm in on what Enrique said, because I just find it so funny that I know more about the man. No, I'm not trying to take away from George Washington Carver at all. I mean, great inventor, but I know more about the man that um, worked with Peanuts than I do about Frederick Douglass than I do about, like, I've just learned more about the man who worked with Peanuts than the man who was a um, activist for Black people. And I just, why is the education system not teaching us these very, these more these more important things I would say, like why are they not teaching us this? And I would like to also go back to what Mr. McDuffie said about um, how the government, they always say we the people and we this, we that, but it really was never we this. And I think that also ties into how they call America a melting pot of cultures, but we have this reluctance to learn about these cultures. We don't actually, like we see it in our day-to-day lives but we don't actually learn about it. And I think that's just something that always bugged me on the inside. And then I liked how Jalen brought up um, the black um, Judas in the Black Messiah movie, and um, I just feel like why do we have to go to these outside sources to learn about our history? Like why are we not learning about this in school? Like why is it? Why do we have? Why do we have to go out of our way just to learn about our own history in our own country? Instead, we sit in the classroom and we learn about the Eurocentric history. We learn about um, the the trivial things, the things that if we've just been repeating. We've just been learning these things over and over again. I mean, I can't count how many years I've spent in school learning about the same guy, learning about the <laughs> same woman, the same thing over and over again. Like I just, we don't learn anything new about our people. They pick, they pick the things that we should learn, the things that seem nice and sunshines and rainbows, peaceful guy, peaceful this, but it's like, it's not enough. It really isn't enough. I mean, did you guys see the movie Hidden Figures? Did you guys see that? Yes. And I'm so glad I watched that
3: movie. (laughs) It was was based
0: off Katherine Johnson, who was a mathematician. And she did, she did like the calculations to get, to get us to the moon. I mean, she did so much. She contributed so much. And why am I just learning about this? Like we learn about the moon landing. We learn about uh, the space race and everything, but we didn't learn about the woman, the black woman who did all the math to get us there. And I just find that it just blows my mind, honestly.
5: To, to go on like a quick tangent about that it's like it's an it, it's important for us to to know about all these things that we never know i never knew that it was all these black women's efforts that got us to the moon them them nitpicking at a computer to make sure it got the right calculations for them to get up into space and circle the earth but another problem i had with that movie was when i looked into it it's like some of these things that we saw in the movie that made us feel good about ourselves didn't actually happen like our well, it was the um, what was the name? It was the main. It was the main character. She was played by, if if you know what I'm talking about, I'm so B. forget. character. Yeah. Yeah. And her
3: name. Yeah.
1: But
5: but she had her her white boss who was telling her no. She needs to be at her desk and not running across the whole base to go to the bathroom. There wasn't a man like that, actually at NASA. There wasn't someone there allocating for the black party at all. You no, know, they use the term white savior in movies a lot to say like, you know, black person couldn't really have, have gotten that far without someone helping them out. And it gets part in the movie when you see towards the end, she's sitting in the in the computing room watching the spacecraft circle the, the earth. She wasn't actually sitting in that room. She was at her desk watching the whole event with all of her co-workers. You know, there's this big twist of showing us these pieces of history and giving us the extra bits and pieces that makes us like feel better about it when the truth is really what we need to hear you know because that sends us into this point where like we were you know really really great and it empowers us but the truth is a lot better to hear and when you hear the truth it, it brings you closer to understand like it took us a long time to get to the point where we are now we're nowhere close to this being truly the end mm-hmm.
3: yeah see, as called, i said earlier right.
4: that,
3: oh i'm sorry no go ahead brother
4: as i said earlier that is that is that sense of and, and, and especially if it's, you know, transformed into a movie, Hollywood is going to do its thing. They're not <laughs> going to touch on all points. That is the censor, because number one, I think they feel shame. I, I think they feel shame that they that they put the censor on us for so long that they're going to continue to do it because they don't want to shine a light on the greatness that we have, you know, contributed to this country, which in, in a lot of aspects is... Far greater than many things that, you know, the, the white community has done. However, that, that, that sensor, man, it's in everything now. Politics, education, little things such as home, home appliances. Like, it just, it's everywhere, man. And that sensor is its, it's dangerous. And I don't know, man. Hollywood, Hollywood does it to perfection. It's mm-hmm. crazy. It's, you know, and in, in, in a way, the censor makes it seem like, especially in Hidden Figures, where it had, you know, uh, a white a white savior, you know, it, it the censor is to make us feel good about ourselves, which, as Mr. McDuffie said earlier, we went through a lot, but we went through it with dignity. So we don't need to be handed that white savior because it was, you know, it, most of the time it wasn't a white savior. It was us it was our dignity it was our grit it was our determination and
3: i feel like they
4: they're, they're shameful to admit that
3: yeah i mean yeah i'm just i'm just bursting with pride just hearing these young black men speak like this man i'm serious i got goose pimples I'm, y'all want to see them they right there <laughs> um just seeing these young brothers speak like this um but the 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 key word and now i'll let y'all go to the next question but the key word what we're talking about is the word compromise and the 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 true definition of the meaning compromise is two parties not getting what they want okay uh it's bad enough that i have to let you make a movie talking about the accomplishments of these women so that's my compromise for you because if it left up to me we wouldn't make it now here's your compromise to me let me put my little disney moment in here okay where he knocks down the the, the, the um sign of the door that says whites only. And let me have my little moment there, my little Kevin Costner moment there where I ride in and I save the day and all of the white people, black people looking at me like he's my savior. You're right about that. But blacks have had to compromise for the longest time. And then when we have a movie that compromises nothing, like do the right thing. Uh, X, where Spike Lee was like, yo, this is what it is, y'all. Then there's this, oh, Spike Lee's this mean person, he hates white people and all of this other stuff. I said, no, what Spike said was, I'm not compromising. This is exactly who Malcolm was. You paint him as a villain, Malcolm was a hero, okay? You paint um, black kids in the community trying to have fun and best her. I grew up in New York right around that time. And I remember what it was like where white cops was beating the mess out of black kids. Um, whether they was innocent or guilty. They were just rolling on them, beating them. And there was a race card there. There were Italian and Irish cops against our uh, Black youth. So Spike was like, yo, this is what they're doing. So a lot of people got in their feelings because Spike did not cut any shorts. He's like, yo, this is it. And Hollywood, like it or not. And I got the money to make the movie. So the only thing you can tell me is no, or I'm not going to let you see it. But well, white people are interested in those kind of movies because they want to see our perspective. Because often our perspective is ignored, and then we have the compromise—the Kevin Costner moment, the white hero on a horse moment—which is sad because it kind of takes away from who we really are and what the story really was. So that's a good point you made.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was interesting what you guys were saying about like the the uh, the entertainment industry and you know everything is can they can kind of you know uh, gloss over certain things. There's another movie I saw that I thought was was good that, you know, that they showed, um, like, the, I guess, more of the com- camaraderie and more of, like, the the insiders was, um, what was it? Um, Do you guys see The One nine in Miami? Oh, yeah.
3: Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great movie. That, yeah. yeah. And I thought it was interesting because I didn't know that all those men, they, they knew each other, but they also mm-hmm. talked about how Sam Cooke, you know, thought of that song a change is going to come just because of with the conversations we had and we didn't I didn't know that I'm sure you know maybe you guys didn't know that either or maybe a lot of people probably didn't know that before watching the film and it was really like really cool they did that Um, yeah
0: I really like what you said Mr. McDuffie about compromise and I feel like something that we need to start doing is if we do have to, I mean, not necessarily have to, but Mm -hmm. if we're going to learn about Black history outside of the classroom, like if that's something we have to do in order to get more educated about our history, something that needs to be done is when we do have these movies about Black people in our history, we need to have Black directors like Spike Lee because they will keep, they'll keep it real. They'll tell you the truth because the, um, the director for Hidden Figures was Theodore Melfi, um, white guy. I really don't know much about him. But you see how Enrique brought up how the things that were portrayed in that movie aren't true. It's not re- really like that. and it doesn't really get down to the real to the real story. And I think that's something that black people do well when're talking about black history is that we will tell you the truth and whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or not, this is how it is. And you guys need to like kind of wake up and really see that this is the truth. And so that being said, um, I just wanted to, I also wanted to ask Enrique, I know that you're planning on transferring and to full time being at uh, at Howard University. I'm sorry. Yep. And so, I mean, can you just talk about like what was your um what played into that decision? Like, why did you choose Howard? That's to...
5: I think I think the biggest thing for me was really like being around my culture a lot. So, because because off the bat, I'm I'm a black man that swims professionally. I I do this on a very national level. I have traveled for it. I've gone to different states, different meets, go for different times. And I think a big part of that was being in that kind of that background. I was one of the few black people, you know, and I kind of rationalize it as it's it's the uncommon, common thing that there's going to be one black person, like every mostly white swim team. I see it a lot. And what more so played in that decision was I want to go whether I go for swimming or not, I want to go somewhere where. I feel welcome and I enjoy my time. It didn't really matter to me what anyone looked like or who they were, but when I really thought about it, like what my culture brings me, what being black, what, what being a Latino really brought to me and made me become a realized. This is an important part that I don't know if I want to just let go of quite yet. I went to a mostly black high school, Flowers High School, and the culture in there was identical to that at HBHU there was always screaming, There was the, the band was loud, we were all, energetic we always we always knew that you know this is what made us us so when it played in decision of like I go to a, a PWI in the south and swim in Florida or Alabama or I stay here and I go to this this acclaimed school that not only has this prize education system that everyone has gone to and really came out a better person or a better version of themselves and having that piece of culture like in this touch of culture for me the being around with always like knowing everything is what really made that decision for me.
0: I know that you attended Howard as well. I mean, can you talk about um, growing up and going to school and like what you learned about uh, and like your experience learning about black history and then explaining your decision to go to Howard?
3: Absolutely. Um, I got tired of being at a high school where the only thing I learned about Dr. King was in a paragraph and a half and as um, uh, Ms. Rowe uh, noted, I'm a, a, a big reader. I mean, I used to do a lot of reading, being a school teacher now, it's kind of not a lot of time to do it, but I read a lot and I read a lot about black people that I didn't see on TV. Um, and coming up in the eighties, yeah, I'm old. <laughs> coming up in the eighties and seeing Spike Lee's um, movies just made me want that black experience. And school days, believe it or not, school days is the one that got me because all of a sudden I saw this, this coach. I, I went to St. John's Prep in the story of New York and I was one of only 45 people of color out of a class of 340 something white people or people period, there was only 45 of us. And um, it was amazing. If I was a straight yearbook, you'd be like, man, where the black people at? But just not there um and i wanted something different and it's interesting because when i told my guidance counselor i wanted to go to howard do you know that they purposely did not send my transcript there He said why do you want to go to all black school i said because i want to know more about my people so he's like oh well okay we'll send it they sent it to st john's university but they howard called and said we never got your your transcript well i'm not going to tell you my mother did or said she got on the phone and gave them some choice words and three days later I would have my transcript. I love the fact of being on a campus with all black people because i got tired of going to school in high school where I was one of the only few blacks. But the good thing is I was allowed to be myself. I didn't have to change. I did not assimilate. They assimilated to me. Matter of fact, I was called the N-word and guess what? I learned, okay, Lance, another side of me. And know, uh, I learned some very choice Italian words to say back to those guys that said things to me. So that just, the more they made fun of me, the more they talked about me, the more I, more I heard that N word. I said, I want to go know about my people. And when I got to Howard, it's like a, a completely different page turns in my life. I, I embraced wearing the medallions, and, and that's when we were wearing the Kente cloth, and, and everybody was mad. And, and I started getting mad too because there were some things that I learned at Howard that I was kept from on purpose in high school. So the more I learned, the angrier I got. And the thing that changed me is that not only did I get a black education at Howard, I got I got to know the Lord at Howard. I, I got saved at Howard. My life changed completely, y'all. My life changed as soon as I walked on that campus. And um, my experience at Howard is truly one of the high highest points of my life because it took it took me from a boy, immature kid from New York, little thought kid, took me to a man of God. It changed my changed my perspective. Um, it allowed me to get into ministry, working with young people, uh, and I and I just bless every now and then when I see or hear some of these guys on on um, some of the social media and they're doing good, and they'll get, reach back to me and say, "Hey man, I'm just checking on you, man. Thank you for everything that you did for me. That's fulfilling, and I would have never got that going to St. John's University. How it changed my life, and I, it's the greatest decision I made." Um, other than receiving Christ and getting married to that wonderful woman I'm married to now. So I got a Howard wife too. <laughs> it was wonderful. Amen. But, um,
1: oh I, oh. oh uh, I had another question for you uh, I guess I'm I'll show you Mr. McDuffie on the podcast. Um, what uh, I know your major was communication in, at Howard. And how did it, I guess how does that um, and your history teacher now? So how did that, um, you know, come about? And how do you think that Howard, you know, I think you touched on a little bit. How do you think that Howard prepared you for the how you are as a history teacher now? Like what lessons did you learn from there?
3: I learned a lot of lessons from Howard, in um, particularly um, Dr. Clint Wilson. I don't know if he's still there or not. Dr. Clint Wilson was one of the first teachers that opened up my mind to um, how blacks are betrayed. He said, "Watch this commercial," and it was a commercial about Jamaica, and it was come back to Jamaica, was old as was new. And he said, stop right there. He kept stopping on points and showing us these big smiling faces and all of these things. He said, this is a plantation. This ain't no uh, place to go and resort. It's a resort. They're making it seem like it's a plantation. Everybody's happy. And they're presenting fruit with these big smiles. And he just broke stuff down to us. Um, and I said to myself, if I ever get a chance to teach kids anything, I'm going to tell them the truth. And that's what I do now. Um, all of these books and stuff came from my years at Howard. A few of them came from my years in high school, but almost all of them from Howard, because it taught me how to read, and I had a lust for reading, and I wanted to know more. So what I do with my kids now, uh, yeah, we have a Black history moment every day. We do. Um, and also, I talk to them about how things relate to being Black into the history we're talking about. We're talking about the Civil War right now. You should be... some you. You'll be blown away by all the stuff that I'm learning about some of these heroes that are lifted up. Andrew Jackson hated Native Americans, had them killed in the removal Act, 1830. Um, I'm looking at all these negative things that happened that I did not know about when I was in high school, but now I got the privilege to teach my kids. And they're learning as a result of that. And my white students, they're like, I can't believe that, that they did that, that's horrible. It's not in their textbooks. So how it taught me, to tell the truth and to fill in those blanks, young young people that are missing in our history that they are sharing, which Howard taught me eventually to call it his story. So it's time for us to tell our story. And you guys are the legacy for that. So I'm so proud of all of y'all. Thank you, thank you. Um, I mean, I mean, this
0: conversation has just been amazing, honestly. I mean, I've the way that Mr. McDuffie, you talk about your story and how coming from New York and how you talked about you, they, they weren't gonna give you the opportunities that you were gonna receive at HBCU. Uh-huh. I mean, they teach you so much. They teach you about your culture. They teach you the truth. And I think that's what a lot of people need right now is the truth. Um, I mean, as a middle school teacher, I would like to ask you like, what are some things that you wanna tell um, your students or any younger listeners out there about black history? like? Um, how Black history will play into their lives in the future or like anything that, um, any words of advice you would like to give them about getting ready for these next stages of their life?
3: What I tell my kids every day is you're living history. You are living history. You've seen the things that our young people have seen are historical. You've seen the Capitol storms. You've seen not just a female woman of color as a vice president, you've also seen a Black president for it not one but two terms. you are seeing history and I tell them I said embrace this moment, live in the moment put your phones down stop getting caught up in all this social media stuff look for look at what things are are ahead of you and in you. I encourage them to read black books. Um, I show them something called vocabulary and it teaches history and, and everything is wrapped so it's kind of like Hamilton uh, if you mm-hmm. haven't seen Hamilton, Locabulary has a bunch of cartoons that have rap behind it and have hip hop beats behind it and teach the kids about black history and every part of history that they can reach. Um, there's so many tools out here, thanks to the media. And I want to give my kids all of that stuff, whether they take it along run with it or not. Sometimes it takes a seed to go in the ground before it can grow. So there's a lot of seed planting that I'm privileged to do with my young people. And I know reading books is kind of hard, so I encourage them about digital books. Um, I give them vocabulary, like I said, um, and I encourage them to know more about their culture. Um, and, And one final thing, folks, that I learned is talk to your ancestors. Talk to your grandma, your big mama, whatever you call them. Talk to them because they can also give you an unabridged version of Black history because they lived it. So there's a connection that we all have and sometimes we ignore, but I encourage our young people, talk to you, talk to the people that have walked where you walked, okay? For my brother going to Howard, there are blood, sweat, and tears on that yard. Affectionately call it yard. There are that there, there have been revolutions birthed there. There have been um, people that have risen there and have, and on to do great things. That's hollow ground. Every HBCU is hollow ground. Um, so take your time. Learn from those who went before you. And anytime you can get a hand on a book, pick it up and read it. Because um, they're not going away. <laughs> I mean, it seems like they are, but they're not going away. They'll always be there for us.
0: I agree. Great. Thank you, Mr. McDuffie. Are there any um other final remarks you guys would like to give the listeners? Um I, I wanna uh you wanna go,
1: you want to go no, go ahead
5: <laughs> I, I, I want to tell all those listening for anyone that always says or asks the question of oh why do we need black history month or, or why isn't there you know white history month or why isn't there any of this you know i want to I'll always pose that question did all black history just happen in february <laughs> no <laughs> no did all of war history happen in a whole month that happened in a day no it didn't it never did ask them really question them because that's not, it's not something that's just like, like I don't know, or it's just a blown over thing. Black history doesn't just happen in February. It shouldn't be the time we just focus on Black history. Black history happened throughout the year, throughout the ages. It's not, you know, when they say Britain, America wasn't made in a day.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: It wasn't. It took years and years. And as, as long as America was around, Black history was right on top of it.
2: That's what I want to say. Uh- I can uh, definitely say that um, I grew up in a blessed, really blessed situation um, relative to black history because one uh, of my grandmother uh, who ran a uh, after-school program and a summer camp uh, was really headlong on, on hammering in black history, hammering in. Uh, so so I, I say that to say really uh, we have to take point on making sure that our people get our history. Um, the battle to really make sure that other people learn our history as well is going to be one that uh, an arduous battle that we may be fighting for as long as the sun shines and as long as the earth spins. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely think that we can take point in in learning um, our own history, making sure that we're still spreading that information. I grew up again. I grew up less in a place where in my school there were uh, posters of quotes from Fannie Lou Hamer. There were posters mm-hmm. of Macy Jameson. Um, and so being able to go to my class and then seeing all of these great people along the wall um, really motivated me to, to learn It motivated me to, to stay in school It motivated me to see myself as um, bigger uh, than whatever my circumstance was. And I think that's the most powerful part of Black history is that when you learn about all of the great things that people have done before you, it really lets you know and should sow a seed in, in all of our minds that uh, our possibilities are limitless. Um, our success is, is um, exponential. Um, we can do so many great things uh, once we realize them, the, the contributions of all the people that have come before us. So uh, we have to take point on, on, on getting that to our people. And at any moment that we can drop a Black history fact, any moment <laughs> that we can you know, tell people about an invention, tell people about a, a, a success or a victory or whatever it is, Um, in in any chance that we get, especially to um, our young ones.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah, really, what I just want to say to everybody watching is do not let them censor you. You have a voice. Uh, The phrase Black Power does not mean to destroy. It means to create. (laughs) We nurture, we teach, and we love. All right, so just love each other, educate each other, and and use that voice, use that platform. You know, if you have have a phone, you, you have a platform, you have the ability to reach out and connect with many different people, both in your city, across the country, it doesn't matter. Um, use your voice, don't let them censor you. That's it.
1: Yeah, going off of what Jalen was saying, I was gonna, gonna say that like, if you feel that you're not getting the adequate education in black history, or just any other ethnic group, go advocate, talk to your teachers, talk to your parents, talk to your grandparents, talk to anybody that you think should, you know, they should be educated. They should let you know that this is something that should be taught. And um, I remember there was an article, I think in the Washington Post that was posted um, on the document that I had, but it was talking about from students that were from all different states, like Nebraska, Massachusetts. um, And I think, as I remember, but they were advocating for um, the, the right to learn more about the Black culture and learning more about the Black, like advocating for a more diverse Black curriculum. So definitely mm-hmm. um, advocate and talk to your teachers if you feel you're not getting the adequate education then, because definitely that can, you can be the change maker.
0: Uh-huh. I just want to simply say, I mean, there's so much more to us than what the history books show us. There's so much more to us than slavery, segregation, there's just there's just not enough. There's just so much that you can teach us. And I think that they need to stop cramming it into one month and saying that's enough. You know, you got you guys got it. That's your, that's your spoonful. You know, like I th- I just think I hope in the future that I can see my kids learning more about Black history, more, learning more about um, maybe the less popular things, maybe the things that, you know, weren't so significant, but they played an important role later down the road. And so um, that's all I really wanted to say. I mean, that's you guys all touched on some great points today. And I want to really thank you guys for coming out and uh, dropping some knowledge on us. Um, look out for the next upcoming podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and stay safe. Have a great day. And if you want to learn more about the Leap to College Foundation, visit Um, Thank you guys and stay safe. Thank right, you. Take care. I had you. a wonderful time, guys. Thank you. Bye so great.